Hello and welcome back to Lured Podcast brought to you by Finn and Tide. We must apologise for the delay in getting this episode out. With all the fishing restrictions being lifted and some technical issues along the way, we're a little later than planned. However, we are back with bang in this week's episode. Our guest is none other than Charlie Garland. Charlie is a hardcore lure angler from Cornwall where he fishes the surf beaches of the north coast for big bass. Charlie has also started work within the UK Bluefin Tuna Tagging Programme, so we'll be picking his brains on this and his lure fishing. Thanks again for all your support and we hope you enjoy. Okay, finally boys, we've got episode four off and running. Serious amount of technical difficulties on this one. (laughs) 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 We've we've got probably four or five beers deep before we've even started the pod due to the amount of back and forth we've been doing, but we're there. Rock and roll. Oh well, if the um, if the listeners suddenly hear us start slurring after about sixty minutes, they know we're uh, we're past the point. Yeah, we're smashed. (laughs) Um, So, for everyone listening, we recorded episode four two days ago with our guest today, who we'll introduce shortly. And listening back through the audio, it was uh, a shit show, basically. It was crackling all the way through. We couldn't put it out. So we're back again and we've got Charlie Garland with us. Um, welcome, Charlie. Welcome aboard, Thank mate. You. Charlie. Nice to be on board, boys. Charlie is a... Um, What's on, Char? What's, What's on? on? I like that. <laughs> Charlie is a North Coast <laughs> you up. Cornish uh, bass fisherman and is also involved with the Bluefin Tuna Tagging Programme, which we're going to talk about. He's, um, he's a tuna tickler. And more importantly, the most patient guy going, considering with all these audio issues we've had. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck with us. Big time. Yeah, I'm not good on computers either, boys. That was hard work. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Well, hopefully it'll be a good hour or so talking a load of uh, fishing and, and rubbish that goes with it. Um, and we'll have episode four ready to go. Nice. Nice. Um, Char, are you... Um, are you- Chugging back a a Cornish ale in a pasty, mate. Or I'm a Stella man myself, Pete. Oh, good man, good man. Mm. I like a Stella or a Cronenberg. Yeah, I've had a rough day today, so I had to have a couple of Stellas. I love it, mate. I just, it. just, um, but just before we started this recording, Charlie was telling me why he had a rough day. Do you want to fill everyone in, mate? <laughs> so I lost a nice one this afternoon in the surf. It's never good that. Uh, yeah, that's my second nice fish that I've lost in a row. So, yeah, just a bit of a rough day. We won't, uh, we won't get well, to go into details, mate. No, not too Best way to cure that one, Char, is to have 10 pints and burn the house down, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's on the cards. It's on the cards. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Dave Taylor, who we've had on, has been on at us to get you on, mate. And we're, we're really pleased that you've, you've come on and give us some of your time to talk about all things fishing. Um, obviously, you and Dave go go way back. Yeah, he's like my bass guru. He's been so good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Legend. Changed, changed the way I think about my fishing totally. Yeah. And like one of the nicest guys and he likes a pasty or two, so that always goes down well with me. <laughs> yeah. I've got, yeah. I've got utmost respect for him. He, like, if I've been struggling or blanking for a few weeks or 
I've got something I need to run past him. He's he'll ring he'll ring me back if not spit like if I ring him and he's not there, he'll ring me back and go through everything with me. Such a legend. Yeah, no, um I put a cut like most of my big fish and the way I think now down to Dave. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he's 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 top just, top top bloke. Yeah, just I think he's very t- like time orientated. He knows hit your tides. Don't be like don't be afraid to try something different, but hit your tides and make the most of the time you got. Don't go early if you think it's going to fish late. Go late. Yeah. Mm. Like just. I don't know. He's changed the way I think about everything for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mate. I said off air earlier to to everyone that um, he got a great message from from a guy over in France, sort of saying, you know, I don't know you, but listen to the podcast and the stuff that you spoke about has inspired me to go night fishing and I've you know caught some fish, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think it's just great to just get a message like that when you know he, he, you're just talking about fishing and people are just taking on board some of the stuff you say and. If it helps catch a fish, then brilliant. Exactly, that's what it's all about. But talk talk to us about your background in fishing, mate. Like, where where did your fishing journey start? Well, my dad's a commercial fisherman, so I've always, since I've been baby, always been into my fishing. Everything. I started off fly fishing, and then went into my sea fishing, and then I fished with Jody Langley all the time. So I met him seven years ago and he was lure fishing while I was live baiting in the boat and mm-hmm. one day it clicked and I was like hang on a minute I need to put the live baits down and get into that and ever since then I've just been lure fishing crazy love it yeah and Perfect. predominantly targeting bass just bass really that's my go to you know I do love bass fishing I love just trying to figure them out that's my it's my thing. Yeah. It is the national sport fish, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's class. They're unpredictable. I don't know. It depends what part of the world you live in. <laughs> or should we say, what, what part of the UK you live in? Yeah, I suppose so. I know what I'd be targeting. <laughs> <laughs> Pistol, careful. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but, that... but no, very lucky to live down here. We've got loads of like awesome bass fish in the whole North Coast is good, good ground. Yeah, and there's and that, not many, not many fishing on the North Coast really. Most of the Cornish bass fishing, lure-wise, is South Coast. But, I bet that's quite nice, Charlie, isn't it? Knowing that you can go to a mark and pretty much have it to yourself, sort yeah, of. Yeah, you can always find a place to fish by yourself down it, which is, you know, that's why it's so special. But like, I've not got to worry mm. about bumping into people, really. Yeah. I mean, I do bump into the occasional person, which isn't ideal, but yeah. it's nice to have your own like corners and you know work your own stuff out. I've got my own spots. So I know nobody else fish, so yeah. no one's coming within nice. two meters. No, no one's coming within <laughs> a mile or so <laughs> at least. Yeah, brilliant. That's what it's all about. Um, yeah, yeah, Charles. Dave was um, when I was down with Dave. Um, fishing the duo comp with him he we were going to come and meet up with you boys um obviously we didn't because we heard word from the but that it, the fishing weren't that hot down your end anyway so we stayed down yeah you were on him and i weren't he he, he was <laughs> saying he was saying um you know some of these marks these boys fish 
You know, I mean, Dave, obviously, we'd, we'd never, ever discuss marks on here, but Dave, Dave took um, Rick and I to a mark where we are literally hanging over the side of a cliff, holding on to tufts of grass, sliding down, looking at the bottom, thinking, I've just better keep holding on to this grass, otherwise I'm going to end up at the bottom of that. And he said, he said, boys, this is nothing. If we go and meet up with those North Coast lads, they will have you shit in your pants before you've even touched the tuft of grass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell us about tell us about some of the marks. You know, obviously, it, it's your discretion what you do, um, where you fish, how you get down there, etc. But just gives an gives an idea of the commitment you make to some of the marks that you go and fish, that potentially you would never see another bloke fish there because of access. If you don't mind. No, no worries. I've, we do a lot of homework in like February and March where we still fish. We understand we're not going to catch much, but we spend a lot of time trying to get into places where we like opposites where we fished before or looking for like corners and stuff. Yeah. So I know me and Jed have done a lot of time finding corners and our own access into them. So like, we got a few ropes that we put in. I mean, lots of them are just cliff paths that we've yeah. walked in ourselves. But we've had Dave shaking a little bit. And <laughs> to be fair, the day Dave come down with us, I got stuck and couldn't move. And I was pinned up against the rock trying to get around the corner. And I had to pass all my stuff to Jody, And he had to talk me back down because I had to go. I went up, got stuck and had to come back down with everything. Oh, Jesus. But yeah, it's, we're... We've got a lot of really heavy cliffs up this way, or down this way. Where I went today, totally cut off by a rock pool, got to 50 foot from the bottom, couldn't get down, had to go back up again. Oh, really? So, like, And that's from six months ago, I haven't been down there, but it's impossible to get down. Wow. And wow. I'm not, me and Jody aren't shy when it comes to, like... Uh, like an overhang ledge or something. Same as Nick Tops, man. I fished with him a bit and he's like a mountain goat. <laughs> <laughs> really? Different ball game. Like, yeah. Like, like, yeah, no. I I go so far, but he's next level. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's crazy. No, shing no shingle down here, boys. No shingle. No, exactly. Uh, yeah, we're getting <laughs> no. heavy legs trouncing around a bit of shingle, but that's about it. Yeah. No, there's do you boys that. ever? Do you boys ever use any sort of like, you know, have you had a climbing background, or have you, or do you use any climbing equipment to get into spots and stuff like that? Do you do you bother with that, or is it only no. strictly like what you can get to, as you are? Yeah, we are sensible about what we do as well. Mm. Do you know what I mean? We're not, we're yeah, not, not stupid, but you. As long as you can get it, it, you got a way in and out, you're fine. Yeah. As long as it's not too risky. It's when you get the slate bottom cliffs that that's when it becomes an issue. Because mm -hmm. you get that like, yeah, in the winter, they, like, it kind of bleeds water at the bottom. The cliffs all bleed water at the bottom and it just goes like ice skate, ice skating ring everywhere. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. But as long as it's, as long as you've got an, an entrance and an exit absolutely fine yeah yeah and what and what you know are you just are you just doing what you can to get to these places because of fishing pressure just being off and all the typical marks just kind of lined up with people or is it just 
purely the kind of rush of fishing somewhere that no one else has been? I think it's more hitting areas where you've had big fish before and then building on it almost. Yeah, like building on it. And if you can get to one area at a certain amount of tides, like if you could get to that bit, would you have them on a different tide? Like just moving around to suit your like tidal patterns, really. Mm. Mm. It's a difficult one, doesn't it? There's so many little small coves everywhere. Like real compact little coves. Yeah. So you got I we do think a lot about the wind and where it's been. And like if mm. if the wind swings out of an area, like maybe hit that area because everything's backed up in there. Mm-hmm. It must be the same with you boys. If you had on shore, your fishing turns on. Yeah. No? Uh no, if you get on shore, mate, it's uh it's chocolate yeah. weed. Yeah. Good night. Yeah. yeah, no, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, we need we need the other way around completely just to be able to fish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. It's um it we have got some on well, you know, you know what we got down here, Charles. We've got some fantastic fishing. Um 100%. but but um the the you know, the rod hours you can get on the shore is nothing like compared to what you can get on the boat and the you know, I've I've said this many times. That's why most people down our area own boats, mate, because mm. you know it could be flat calm out there, or conditions could be perfect, but the first like hundred, two hundred meters of water will be black and shitty and full of weed because it's 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 kicked up the night before, gone flat. You, you just it's unfishable. You know, it is literally it's so shallow. It doesn't take a lot for things to go from amazing to crap. You know. In in the matter space of a couple of hours, where I know down your it can blow Hurricane Henry, and uh, it can still be decent fishing. You'll still get decent clarity. It takes a lot to ruin things down your end, doesn't it? Um, in, yeah, it's it's different up and down the coast. It's rockfall orientated, tide. But yeah, no, we we don't get we don't want clarity here. <laughs> Yeah, that's the difference. We don't want clarity. It's we need turned water. The fish don't feed inshore when it's flat. Yeah, crazy how different it is. Yeah, it's totally yeah, different. And same, same fish, completely different. Same. It's like mm. the north and the south coast of Cornwall. Half an hour to get on the other coast, you can fish when it's pissed flat and catch fish. Mm. But on this coast, you literally it's hard work to get a bite when it's flat. For me, anyway, like for what, where I target and what I do, I'm not mm. saying it's impossible. It's just, yeah, it's just difficult. I think it's just different and what everyone's used to, isn't it? Like what, when you target bass. Mm. I mean, if you, if you turned up, you know, if you, if you imagine, I mean, I've seen some pictures of you, you the sea been raging, like proper, crashing all over everywhere. I mean, if you had waves crashing over you here in Sussex, mate, you would be covered in weed, shit, probably tampons, all sorts of stuff, mate. Do you know what I mean? It's totally unfishable, unfishable, and it's it's the most frustrating thing ever because you know it it takes a long time for that to flush out again. It's not, it, you know, it, it's just yeah, it's not. It just it's like not a day or two, stagnates, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an ass. But you know, one day make... to ruin it, a week to sort it, kind yeah. of thing. 
yeah, if, if not longer, man, if not longer, you know, it's, when it's on, it's on. But I mean, you know, you you can have you can have like two or three months of shit clarity and not not get any fishing on the shore. It can be that bad. Um, so you, you know, the punches, but we um, we're always kept entertained with your Cornish boys. Um, Being able to go, do you, do you get an early run of fish, boys? <laughs> what? Do you get an early run of fish in like March, April? Absolutely, but you, 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 mm. this yeah. like, this April, mate. I mean, the earliest the earliest bass I've caught off the shore in is March the thirteenth, right? And it's not very often you've got clarity that time of year. This year, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to bring up the lockdown and the COVID too much but you know during the lockdown and the covid period through april we had gin clear seas mate which is very very rare this early on and then lock, yeah. lockdown gets lifted mate blowing <laughs> you know yeah I mean? blow it just starts blowing i mean you know there's a couple of marks which i know are clear at the moment but it just don't take a lot for it to, to go bad again you know yeah you're always um, on the edge as far as bass go, I mean, I've caught bass in the boat 12 months of the year. No problem at all. But the, the, it's not that the bass aren't on our shores 12 months of the year, because they are, because the bait anglers catch them. It's just the, condi- access, the conditions access, um, are not right yeah. for lure fishing. Mm. It's the same here, but lots of people don't fish like March, April here at all. And if you get the conditions here, you've got a good shot at it, whatever yeah. month of the year. It's it's a real I don't know, I, I like I like to catch them in March and April though, like it's a nice month to get out. It's when you first get the froth for it, you know? Yeah. That's absolutely Charles, what's the um obviously you the north coast can be really rugged terrain and you, like you said you spoke about the cliff faces and things like that but you focus mainly on surf beaches is that right yeah surf beaches and surf reefs i don't i do a bit on the beaches but more sort of edges of beaches and reefs mm-hmm. but it's yeah i do love fishing in the surf don't get me wrong but i'm not a, a metal chucker put it that way I was just about to touch base on that um, about the whole metal thing. Um, tell us, tell us. I mean, you fish very much. I mean, we're the way we fish. We're all very much the same. We're not. We're more soft plastic anglers, paddle anglers. Um, why? Why do you prefer that method over a metal char? I think it, because... it goes down to my boat fishing as well. Like, I think my shore fishing and my boat fishing are very close together. And with my fish minnows in the boat being so successful and being able to touch, like, do contact fishing, touch, bounce, touch, bounce, instead of straight winding a piece of metal in the surf, I think the smaller fish will always hit whatever goes past them, but the bigger fish will sit and wait. And if something's slow for the right, moving for the right meal, in, it? and that it's a big yeah. meal, I think they'll rather go for that. Yeah. But it's a, it, yeah, it's each to their own, isn't it? I, I I do know people catch big fish with metals, but what what's the I mean, 
obviously, you know, again, we're totally in the dark down here as to what you boys get onto up there, apart from when we speak. But, you know, is it the metals in the surf? Um, is it predominantly a smaller stamp of fish they're catching? I mean, oh, 100%. you know, yeah, yeah. So, 100%. you know, like numbers, it's, Num- it's, it's a just numbers a numbers game. game yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Cool. Yeah, you know, and I know it's not my game. I'd much prefer twenty blanks and one seventy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly the same as what it is down here. I've I've got quite a few marks I can go and fish, and you know you can bang out the hood rats all day, mate. But you know, where's the where's the sense of achievement in that? And you know, I've touched base on this before in a in a a, a pod earlier. It's not, you know, it's not about you know, mocking people who want to go out and get a few bites. Get a few bites is amazing. But when you've done it for quite a few quite a few years, you sort of set your own goals, don't you? And yeah, you know, for me, like time is precious, my time. And so when I go out, if I've only got a couple of hours, I want to be going out and maximizing them, you know? Yeah. And if if it if it's a blank, that blank's gonna lead me to a seventy. You know, it's, it, I'd rather I'd rather do that and try and get the most I can out of that session because the next session it sets you up even better. And then suddenly you get that fish, you know? And I think yeah. it's far, far more rewarding doing it like that um, for me personally than it is to just going out and holding up a... Yeah, I agree 40, with that. 40, yeah. A 40 centimetre. I also I think, yeah, no, I also think that's, a, that's progression within the sport as well. Like, I think it's a bit like golf, you know? You can, you can all grab a set of clubs and have a hack around a course. But I think once you start to take it more seriously and you're only worried about going around maybe once or twice a week, but with pure quality rather than going along five six times a week and just hacking it around it's the same thing like you know you progress to that as your passion grows you know and I think you know I think once you've been doing it for long enough like you said you just get to a point where you're like well I know I can go and get a bite there but I'd rather pick my moment and go and have the the better you know the better quality fish yeah definitely yeah it just changes the way you think a bit Mm. yeah yeah definitely what kind what kind of outfit are you running, Charlie, for your sort of um surf reef or surf beat fishing? I've got a dragon bait, mm-hmm. Smith's dragon bait, forty to hundred gram, eleven foot. Yeah, nice bit of kit. Van Style VR one two five. That right. Dave kindly gave to me actually. Wow. Wow, I need to be what? better better closer friends with Dave. No, he he's wrong <laughs> handle side, isn't he? Oh, is he? Oh, right. Yeah. He's, Dave's a bit yeah. special, is that, Dave? You can tell he he's sort special. of... Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I've been using that for a bit. It's solid Sorry. rod for me. I can cast big paddle tails. Like, I'm fishing, like, Ilex Nitro Shads with, like, 30, 40 grand rolling heads on them. Comfortable. Mm-hmm. So, and the extra length is good. Like, I can put my rod tip in the air and wind in over... It doesn't matter what depth it is. Even if I'm fishing the heaviest stuff, you know. Yeah. And what what are you running line wise? You you fish quite heavy, don't you? Yeah, like thirty seven pound Suffix Pro Eight. Right. Pretty strong stuff. Yeah, and like thirty pound fluoro leader. And why do you fit? Why do you fish so so heavy? What are the reasons behind that? Just because of like left. Like if you hook a fish at distance over boulders, if they run left to right you're in trouble unless you can keep your rod tip up. And I know maybe it's, I know people think braids braid. If it hits a rock, it's going to snap. 
but just that slightest bit of fray on twenty pound makes it ten pound, or the slightest bit of fray on thirty pound makes it, you know, yeah. you can weigh it up so you can land an extra fish or two. Yeah. And it's end game. It is all end game for me. Yeah. If I can get it to my feet, and if I lose it there, I'm, you know, I need to make sure I get them in once I've got them to my feet. Yeah. It's not like, like it's waves. I've got to be able to grab the leader if I'm by myself. Everything's got to be totally solid, you know. I can't be dodgy lure clip, crappy knot. It has to be spot on. Yeah. Especially, you know, not- if you're going for the bigger fish, everything needs to work. You know, you need to gear up for it, I think. Yeah. yeah. What about you boys? Do you run a lot lighter line off the shore, eh? Mm. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty mate. much, I mean, yeah. I, I would fish yep. eight, 18 pounds, 16 pounds. Yeah, um, yeah but... I fish, I fish, um, well, 08 or 01. Um, and yeah, uh, six, what, well, what leader? Uh, what, a leader? Yeah. Uh, 14 pound um, N Waker Soft. Yeah, that's my favourite. I wish they did it a little bit stronger. 20 pounds the highest they go, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's actually my my favourite leader, my favourite leader material too. It's same, awesome stuff. Same for me and yeah. Jody. It's our favourite fluoro by far. Yeah, same. Yeah. I think you can't beat it. We 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 run pretty much sixteen pound religiously on all yeah. our style of fishing, really, and never had an issue with it. Yeah, no. It's off off the shore here, Joe, um, Yeah, off the shore here. Um, you you really. I mean, I have. Admittedly, I've been sawn off a few times on one particular mark for the simple reason where I'm fishing, it's not particularly deep. But when you hit the big, big fish, they just kite and they just kite straight around the rock, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's not like you can't even put the brakes on them because they are literally you're fishing that close to the structure that you hook them behind the structure, and because the water's so yeah. shallow, even even with the rod, even with the rod up. Um, you know, at distance, they just still go round it, and um, yeah, I've just been sawn off. So it wouldn't matter if I was using 08, 12, 15. It's like you say, one little nick, suddenly that 15's point one, and then a little bit more, it's done. You know, so yeah, yeah. For for us down here, you know, we fish. We don't fish too heavy, but but there are some situations where, you know. I think maybe on a particular mark, should I be fishing it's a bit heavier? It's fish but... that run left to right, mate. I reckon they're issues every time. If you hit a fish and it runs left to right, you're in trouble. Yeah. Over a reef. Yeah. It's yeah. I don't know. I like to be able to fish a heavy leader. It's so I can double wrap it at the end and lift it in. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm relying on that, but because most of the time I'm not in, you know, on a rock. I'm up out of the water. I'm not. If I'm wading, the surf's small. If I'm on a rock, the surf's big. So I need to think about just lifting in. See that? That's where so I do miss. Where... I do miss bites because of it. I know I won't catch the smaller fish because sometimes because I've got heavy leader on. Sometimes I don't even fish fluoro. Like I'm not too bothered about it. Really, it's interesting. See, that's where I fish miles miles apart, really, because. Uh... Yeah, a, a typical a typical fishing session for me is fishing in probably twelve to twenty four inches of water, full of bubble weed. You know, 
that's it. Yeah. That's um, that's uh, certainly shore fishing anyway. I mean, I've got a couple of other marks where, you know, I might fish a little bit deeper, but most of it is all shallow water, um, bubble weed fishing. Um, and yeah, when you hook a, when you hook a decent fish, the only way they can go is is sideways. You know, and that's why. That's why sometimes you know, I have been sawn off, but um, yeah, I mean, it happens, happens, mate, doesn't it? I've yeah, seen, I've seen Jody get he hooked up behind a rock, and this thing emptied out for about. Oh, they made a huge run straight out, and then just turned and just went behind the rock, and there's nothing he could have done about it. No, he just emptied him out and then snapped off like twenty yards of braid, just ruined him completely. Mm. You can't when you hook one like that. There's nothing you can do about no, it. No. No, no, no you need that. Built like Tokyo trains, and you've got no hope. You just need that bit of luck that they run you to a direction that you can, you know, do get on it, it, do something with it, make yeah. it work. Lots of your boys shore fishing weedless paddle tails. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, mostly. Mostly, yeah, but I mean, I've got a couple of marks where I, I, I mean, give me. Give me a, an open hook any day, any day of the week. That is by far the most efficient way of hooking a bass or a fish is with an open hook. There's no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of certainly my own fishing um, when I'm fishing like the bubble weed beds and stuff like that. You know, you need to be fishing weedless really because you need to be fishing in it. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly, certainly m- most of my other fishing is all is all open hook. I think that. The the hookup rate is far far more efficient than a weedless lure. Yeah. That's my own opinion. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Different hit. You miss a lot more hits weedless. Of course you I do. do. Yeah, I do definitely. <laughs> I'm totally not used to it. Yeah, we get we we have a few marks that are more of a pebble bottom, shingle bottom with little to no weed in it, and you can really chuck the heavy kind of hooks. Um, soft plastics around with the exposed hooks and be absolutely fine but for the most part we're fishing over a reef that's so densely weeded out in areas that got no hope you just lose so lots of moving water as well yeah lots on your boy's shallow reefs yeah oh yeah, yeah definitely it pumps because in actually in the um it's a, it's a good point because in the in the podcast that we recorded that came out horrendous with the audio you mentioned that um moving water on your reefs is is a no-go right yeah i just like the smaller tides on the reefs for sure yeah which is really the o- open beaches i'd say bigger tides yeah but the reefs i just like more water to hold on them like so the fish get more of a chance to feed and hang out behind rocks and instead of just coming up and leaving yeah I mean, you know, we get lots of staggered reefs as well. It's like you get a section of uh, like a spring high that will work, and then all the fish will drop off it and they won't feed again until like four hours down when they've got another area which is like flat that they can stay on, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so it's almost in stages for you. Yeah. But I mean, on the big tides, we hit them up over the, the top of the high water. Fine. But on the smaller tides, they'll stay right the way down the reef in all the features everywhere. Yeah. It's just, yeah, and, and, you know, it doesn't work all the time. We've had them hang out in the features through a big tide before, but only when there's numbers. And we don't get numbers here. Yeah. Like, I don't have, 
sessions where I go and catch 10 fish at a time very often. Yeah. E- even three is a good number for me on a, on a proper good sesh. Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, you're targeting quality over quantity, aren't you? So. Yeah, but free. Yeah, solid fish. Solid fish. Yeah, can't knock that. No, no. Absolutely. And you know, you know as well as me, they're solitary. Most of them are solitary. They're by themselves. Yeah, yeah. So you'll do seven hours for one in a day, you know, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah, get that, mate. I get that. As long as you get it. Chai, if you had to, um, before we sort of move on, talk about. Um, Tuna, um, if you had to give, you know, someone that's coming down to fish the north coast of Cornwall for the first time, any advice? What would what would you sort of what would you sort of give? Things to look out for, things to definitely avoid. You know, certain things that maybe they should shouldn't do. It's going to be safety, like I said to you boys before. North coast is not like anywhere else in Cornwall. It's unpredictable. Every spot's different, so. The safety and like watching where you're gonna go for half an hour before you even fish it. Going somewhere with a lifeguard. I mean, it's been carnage down here at the moment. No lifeguard. Yeah, you mentioned that the other day. I was blown away by that. I said the other day, like, had like two drownings and one near miss in Cornwall. A, a local guy from the village, like, very talented, like a good surfer, like solid. He's in the sea all the time, mm. and you just yeah. Safety is my number one. And the other one be, don't be afraid to hit a main beach because all the main beaches fish. Just look for some glass pools or rips, but just don't push yourself if you come in here. Mm. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah, the sound advice, mate. I think... Uh... Yeah. I would go safety over anything here. Yeah. I've been washed in a few times. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Life jacket's gone off four times now already. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's a good point, mate. I think um, you can get excited, can't you, and just want to get get to that rock that looks so appealing, but um, maybe not think about your way in, way out, or tides and things like that. Exactly. And I was speaking to Dave earlier. I said to him, I think I'm just going to wear a wetsuit from now on, and a like a smock and a wetsuit, and maybe like a like a flotation zippy thing. Yeah. And because you never, if you go in in waders, I don't think you're getting out on the North Coast anywhere. It's really difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. you got a few seconds to get hold. If you haven't got it, you're gone. Yeah. And yeah. I wouldn't like to take any surf on in waders. No. I couldn't, you know, I've surfed my whole life and I wouldn't want to go in in mm. waders and like have to dive under a wave. Yeah. Yeah, no good that. It's serious. Yeah. And, you know, it's highly promoted to go surf fishing on the north coast at the moment. Mm. And, yeah, there's too many accidents. Yeah. People, people don't know what they're doing. People don't know the sea. So, Do you think, uh, Charles, um, just touching on a, maybe a bit of controversy, do you think it's overexposed, the... Um... The, the surf fishing, do you reckon it's 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 over? It's spoken about too much, encouraging too many people to go and actually do it, or you know, I don't know if it's over encouraged. Like, I think it's good to promote fishing, but at the same time, I think if people don't know what they're doing and they're going to be like 
lured into going out and having to go in the surf, I just think it is dangerous, definitely. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's basically all, what I'm getting at. All the, all the Nuki boys, Jamie Strike, Mark Hazeline, they're all people that surf. They know the sea. Do you know what mm. I mean? Me, Jody, growing up in the sea. Nick Tops, growing up in the sea. Like Everyone that does it here knows and have been in the sea for their whole life. But I think if you're new to going surf fishing and you're up to your waist in water, mm, it's a bit of an iffy one. Yeah. It, it, it is iffy. Yeah. yeah. You lose. You can lose your foot in, in seconds and be from waist depth to gone, you know? Yeah. yeah. You boys know as well, like it's it's not oh. any moving water is pretty serious. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean we had a, we had the uh the situation um down we were out one day down at one of our marks on the boat and we saw a fella with just two fellas in a in a small sort of sailing boat and they capsized it and one of the guys in it we didn't couldn't see from where we were. We sort of was we drew our attention and we were a bit like I sort of said to Rick, What do you think? And we had another friend of ours with us and he was like I don't like the look of that, boys. I, don't, I think one of them is in trouble. We sort of was like, are you all right? And, that? and the bloke was like, yeah, no, we're fine. It turns out he'd had his dad with him and he was a bit older. And his dad was in waders. 86. And his dad was in waders rubble, that had rubble filled up. In 20, 20 foot water. Mm. And we ended up diving in, myself and um, the other fellow who was with us, and we dived in and was help, like, got hold of him. And we actually put him in our boat and took him ashore. Because the fellow who was actually his son was still trying to rectify the boat, and this poor fellow was hanging on to the side well, of the. Te- te- technically, we didn't yeah. take him ashore. Yeah. The Coast Guard come and airlifted him out of our Yeah, boat. that's it. He did. But but still, like, but, had yeah. we not been anywhere near him, I, I genuinely. He was gone. He mate, was genuinely. He was in 20 foot water with no life jacket and rubber waders on. Yeah. And no, not only waders that. Waders and the surf on a good combo, Not only that, he had a laceration to his arm that was enough to put you off of any dinner. <laughs> Let me tell you, we were all looking at each other like, try not to make a scene because we didn't want to scare him. So then it was just like, it was mental. It was absolutely craziness. Yeah. But then, we and, got in the local press. Yeah, a little bit, little bit of a feature. Nice, bit of coverage, yeah. boys. Yeah, yeah. What'd you, what'd you do, send him a sticker? <laughs> See, actually, actually, what, He's what got actually my jumper. I got a call a week later from him to say... Um, Basically, yeah, just thanking us because he said I was a goner if you wasn't there, and he and he was right. He would he would have definitely been a goner. I mean, uh, on on a slightly uh, lighter note on the situation, we did turn it into one of the best drinking games you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> the following day, we had a, we, we had a little figurine that we named Dennis, day, wasn't it? Yeah, and um, yeah. if Dennis ended up in your glass, you had to drink what was in it to save him. So it turned into the <laughs> best drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Dennis. Yeah, man. poor Dennis. To be yeah. fair to him, like he was, yeah, it wasn't pleasant, you know. And obviously, we we made a decision because the the guy actually said to us, "Can you not call the coast guard?" And like Rick was like, "Listen, I'm calling him because this the older bloke that's in Dennis that was in the boat with us, he was going like purple to the eye." And you're like, "This fellow's yeah. not going to get through this. He's he's obviously yeah. clearly quite old, and you know, it was quite, it was quite, yeah, it was pretty, yeah, it's pretty serious, pretty serious." The drinking, like, the drinking game did make light of it the next day once we knew it was fine. Yeah, but but... It, it was a great drinking game. But Dennis, if you're listening, hope you are, mate. Yeah, I hope you're all good. <laughs> We're at the stage where we probably could be talking sea bass all day, but. <laughs> Why don't we move on to their much, much bigger cousins, the bluefin tuna? Um, Charlie, you're 
involved in the UK tagging program for Bluefin Tuna. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the background of that program and how it came about? Yeah, well, basically last year I got asked to help out on the, with Black Moon Sport Fishing to do a bit of work on the tagging program, which was amazing experience. Like, amazing. I've seen so much mm. last year. I mind blown the whole year. I was mind blown. And um, yeah, we've we've been they've been running the program for the last two years properly, and I think this year well, we tagged twenty two tuna in total. Wow! For the whole year, we had eight fish in one day. It, we, it, in, incredible experience, boys. I can't I can't even yeah. um I, I can't even put it in words half the time. Like what I've seen this year with all the wildlife, whales, dolphins, mm. the full work, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like Attenborough stuff. Yeah, full yeah, full full Attenborough stuff and like you know, bait balls the size of a couple of football pitches going well, we left them there after six hours of fishing, you know? Yeah. Because we couldn't wow. we, we ran out of tags, so we had to go in. Ridiculous. And that's heartbreaking for a fisher for the fisherman side of things, hey. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Even though I could I could hardly walk after that day. So, oh, yeah. I bet. A three... so it's not like a 10 or 15 minute smash up. It goes on all day. Yeah, well, the, the, we, we've been lucky enough to see that one, the one that lasted for the six or eight hours, or however how long when we left it. Or I don't know how long it was going before. But yeah. Yeah, that was the only really lengthy bait ball we've seen. But it was proper special, you know. What um what kind of gear do you use to, tar- to target these fish? Like what I know, obviously... Um, the tuna tagging program is all about fish welfare and kind of getting them tagged in the most humane, quick fashion, poss- you know, possibly that you yeah. can do. It. So, so, what we, you have to target them with? We're using Shimano Tiagras eighty wides, yeah, um, and uh, stand up Shimano rods, 80, <laughs> 80 pound class. Wow, and they've got I think they're a hundred hundred pound mono with a three hundred pound braided. Uh, wind on leaders mm-hmm. so it like it's like you boys said like i said to you before it's all about getting the fish to the boat as quick as possible so we're yeah. using we're towing spreader bars which in turn when the fish hit and we're winding them in it, it slows them right down so we're not getting the lengthy fights that that are tiring fish out and make them you know they wear them out basically it's just, yeah so yeah. it's for the tagging program it's very important that we get them to the boat as quick as we can on the boat for less than three minutes, fully aerated. The, let the scientists do all their thing. It's, the fish is back in the water on a lip hook and just towed behind the boat for five minutes. We check we check up on the fish two or three times while we're towing it. It's always being watched. It, everything's GoPro'd so they can they can rewatch and check check back on all the footage. Just incredible. Yeah, it's very procedured. It's very, it's so it's so interesting, very procedured. I mean, I've seen some of the tagging information, and they travel, you know, in four in in two days. A fish went from Falmouth to the Bay of Biscay. Wow! So, and yeah, another one, another one was in the Channel Islands two days later. So, I mean, these fish move, man. They they yeah. move. Yeah. Wow. But um, yeah. And obviously, all this research is on. You know, are they hoping to have some sort of recreational fishery out of it at the end of it? That would be the ideal scenario? or It would be the ideal scenario for us, yeah. I mean, I really hope there's a commercial, uh, not a commercial, a recreational fishery. That's the one. Um, I just, I just, I think that's why they're doing this study, so they can figure out a plan 
and see yeah. how many fish are moving through and just recording data and seeing what they can do about opening up a fishery here. Yeah, yeah. it would be amazing. But it would be it? amazing if we could start targeting them, you know, on poppers, thick baits, you know. It would just be incredible. Oh, I think, I'd, I think I'd move to Cornwall. As long as it's done sensibly, <laughs> I think we'll, yeah. it would be a really good thing for Cornwall and for just the fishing industry down here. Yeah, incredible. Um, mate, yeah. The, I mean, the um, to have that level of sport fishing, there's not many places in the world where you can chuck poppers and sick baits at fish that size that can um, lead you on a merry dance for that long. So it'd be amazing no. fishing. No, I've had a lucky year, boys. I've been taught by Craig Hall from Black Moon and he's been very good to me and sorted me out. Fantastic. Taught me how to read birds, work shoals. I, I won't go too deep into all the things he's taught me. But yeah. like... Yeah, it's been incredible to learn about them. It's you can you can relate back to all your fishing in different ways, can't you? You know, so yeah, like colours and stuff that we've tried that I've, you know, like some of my ideas, colour combos, some, you know, just changing things to from your bass fishing to your tuna fishing or from your tuna fishing back to your bass fishing. Yeah, like are you, you know, are, you just, are you trolling skirted lures or is it? Yeah, hard, it's all, all um, spreader bars, mate. Yeah. So it's wow. like 18 squid, 18 inch squid on a big metal bar with birds across the front and wow. like rows of them. And then your stinger would be just behind the actual spreader bar, like like a meter behind the spreader bar. And that would normally be a different color, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it separates that one out as the weird one. And they tend to, well, they always hit it. But they don't often hit the spreader bar. Right. Yeah. Wow. And how big are these fish? Um, The biggest one we had this year was two two thirty one wow and it was i think on the on the scale it was four hundred and sixty one pounds length to girth wow so it was a bit it was a big fish and we've had we've had we've had them from like i don't know a hundred pounds to that sort of size but mostly sort of two hundred pound to three hundred pound fish i'd say mm. yeah Again. Which actually, if, if it's going to be, a, like, eventually, if it does turn into what we all hope, which is a, a fantastic recreational fishery, but if it does, that's actually probably quite a nice size to be tangling with, really, because if you get into the world of, like, the big, big, big tuna, you know, that's a, like, wicked tuna style, that just gets too much, you know? And yeah. I think oh, it I just then create too much bother with the value and stuff. No. I don't think no. I'd want one of them. No, mate. T tell, us, tell us what it's like to see these fish hit and then be attached to one. I know you're on really strong gear, but try, um, I mean, try and explain, because I'd love it, to... Sort put of it this way, we tow like four sets of spreaders when we're trolling, yes. and one of them's like, uh, say, eight foot behind the boat. Yeah. Like, literally off the back of the dive platform. Yeah. Wow. And we've had, I've seen multiple fish, like, proper surface hit the spreader right behind the boat, and then you, you have to clear all the other rods get harnessed up and you're after you and all you're hearing is screaming while you're getting set up you know <laughs> it's fully exciting yeah, yeah. awesome but um yeah you some sometimes you've had tuna come up and hit two or three spreader bars in one go like yeah. three or four hits like they don't all hook up obviously they same as same as all fish but yeah, it was it's proper impressive boys i can't Literally, I spent my whole year last year in my head, my hand on my head, like going, What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. I've got, I've literally, I've had it must just be a pinch of moment. Had tuna bus boat side and spray water at me while we were trawling. 
Wow. <laughs> so like, yeah, crazy. It must be a pinch yourself moment for you growing up in Cornwall and then all of a sudden over the last few years, these have just turned up in the numbers they have. It was a dream. You must be out on the boat thinking, what is going on? It is an absolute <laughs> dream because um, I seen one six years ago off my local with my uncle and I was like, wow, imagine if they like came back and we had a turned fishery up. here and then two years later, boom, they started showing up in numbers. Do you- did you hear of sort of like obviously because obviously it sounds like we used to have a lot of tuna here and then obviously it went away and then now it sounds like it's coming back do you like obviously being and living in Cornwall do you hear a lot of legend from you know yesteryear and people like you know granddads and whatnot talking about especially coming from a family of fishermen did you hear a lot about the tuna they used to have or big bait they used to have that was bringing them in I I haven't actually no I think beforehand the tuna fishery was up the coast a lot further you know i don't think we had a big tuna oh, really? fishery here i'm mm. i think i don't know this boys i'm only speaking on my years of experience but I, I think they just move for the bait you know they're here because we've got yeah a slight maybe a slight current change and we've got a lot of bait here yeah and these fish have just when they come here they've just spawned so they've lost 15 percent of their body weight and they are hungry you know they're all very mm. lean yeah. lean fish yeah, and, and you mentioned before to us that's why there's no real commercial value in these fish because they've spawned, they've you know lost so much body fat. Yeah, so they're coming in lean. I like like wicked tuna. You know, they're they're all they're always looking for fat content, and I don't think the fish we have here have got major fat content because they've spawned out. So they literally come. We we think they come. They go into the Mediterranean around this time of year and spawn, do their thing, and head up the Bay of Biscay towards us. And then they sort of come in around Cornwall and they do their thing, feed up. Then we, I don't know what they... That's what they're trying to figure out, what they're doing and where they're going. Yeah. So hopefully we can potentially get to a state where we've got a similar fishery to, to France and Ireland. That would be nice. From a it would be nice if there yeah. was a recreational fishery for everyone, you know? Yeah. And I, Like you say, mate... The, the kind of value that would bring to Cornwall and the fishing industry down there would be epic. Yeah, I think it's a really good yeah. thing if it's done sensibly. I think, you know, and there's not too many people that are having three, two, three hour fights with fish. I think, why not? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Are they, being, are they being caught by other people accidentally? Because I know that I've seen a few stories of people shark fishing. Um, yeah, they've. And getting hooked up. A few of the charter boats have had them shark fishing. They are getting hooked up. I've heard two people on bass marks getting completely smoked by tuna. Wow. Like float fishing mackerel on bass marks. They're not... (laughs) Yeah, on like Shimano 4,000 bait runners. Wow. That's it. We just might as well give give the brain a kiss goodbye. Yeah, they're on... They come and feed in super. Like they're they're not shy to come inside. You know, we're not going offshore for these fish at all. Mm. They're very, you know. You see? Did you ever see that footage of the one in St Ives Bay chasing a bass up the beach? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, think I have seen that. Yeah. yeah. Great, absolutely crazy. crazy. The speed he moved. Yeah. That speed that fish moves, and he's he's only in six foot of water. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. And where, yeah, where, in, where in Cornwall were they showing up? Because I know it's South Coast predominantly. South Coast, like Falmouth Bay area, basically. Yeah. Wow. Which is, they, 
Yeah, well, last I think we had our first one last year at the start of August. But I think there's the telltale signs. There's a lot of bird action here already and baits here. So it's just a matter of time before yeah. they show, I think. Yeah. yeah. I'm just waiting, waiting patiently. Awesome, mate. And what, what, what is the state of the tagging program this year with obviously COVID and everything that's gone on? Is it due no, no you know, to no resume? One knows at the moment, but with the, the government releasing last night that you can now be with six people at a time, or five other people and yourself, that would be a brilliant help for charter boats and charter skippers and being able to do the tag. Yeah, massive. So that's, um, it's very exciting to wake up to hear that this morning, actually. Um, for me, as you know, as I'm going to be running a charter boat this year, is is massive, you know? Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's great news. Yeah, it is. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your um, these sort of aspirations this year with a charter boat, mate? Like, obviously, this will be your first year running it fully. Right? This will be my first year running it fully, so I'm going to be doing all kinds of charters: jigging, bassing, all the shark Amazing. fishing. Um, yeah, I'm going to be involved in the tagging program. Hopefully, if it runs, it's yeah, big year for me. I've got a lot to prove. First year, so I'm nice. I'm going in. <laughs> Well, we can't wait to get down. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll give us a shout as sure. soon as you uh, as soon as you can, then we'll, we'll get yeah. down. Get you boys in for sure. It'd be really good to have you down. Mm. It'd be amazing. Yeah. Get Mighty Dave yeah. to come with us. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> yeah. I'd love that. The Bass Jedi to turn up with his lightsaber. Yeah. No graphite leaders on board, all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you know, mate, we get a few questions coming on Instagram. Um Load of your mates sent in some cracking questions that are probably, uh, yeah, but I, probably shouldn't be said on this pod. I could, I could only imagine. <laughs> I've, got I've, some, picked out a I've got some good mates, boys. <laughs> no, mate, yeah, you could <laughs> sounds like no, it. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't drop you in it, but they were close to it. Yeah, oh, I could imagine. <laughs> um, so a couple of the questions, mate, that come through, um, pretty simple ones to start. You'll probably know who this one's from. The question is, Gold Crazy Ill or Khaki Rose Minnow? Yep, and he knows the answer. It's Khaki Rose Minnow. <laughs> <laughs> That's from uh, Martin, Martin yeah. the pod last week, yeah. So he's, um, I think he, he put a little wink at the end of that question, so he knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, and then you'll probably know who this one's from as well. Best pasty to prepare for Lunker Bass? Depends how far you're travelling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you boys can have ginsters, and I'll save the good ones for me and Dave. <laughs> me and Dave will have Everingtons. <laughs> Everingtons are way forward. Yeah, we'll have one when you come down, boys. Yeah, perfect. Spot on, mate. So you know that one's from Dave. And then the other, and then the last one is um, first cast, top water or subsurface? Um, subsurface. Yeah. Yeah. Considering you don't fish hard baits much, mate, that was must be a tough yeah, one. Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we do every week. We do a bit of a quick fire round of questions. Um, Pete normally uh, does this, but he's not on this part of the pod. So I'm going to fire away at you. Um, you literally, mate, will have no time to think about these answers. So just whatever comes to your head first, shout them out. Yeah. Okay. Number one: fish or ilex? Fish. Pasty or sausage roll? Pasty. Hard or soft? Soft. Home or away? Home. Top water or subsurface? Subsurface. Night or day? Day. 
Duo or Megabass? Megabass. Boat or shore? Oh. Um, oh. oh. <laughs> um, boat at the moment. Whoa. <laughs> Weedless or open hook? Weedless. Cider or lager? Lager. And last but not least, a peach special, this one. Henry or Dave? <laughs> Dave. <laughs> Amazing. Brilliant. Amazing. Love it. Pete put that one Pete put that one in bold, mate, so we have to get it in. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> No, mate, we really enjoyed having you on and thanks for bearing with us. We've had, for everyone listening, this is probably the third attempt of finishing this podcast due to all sorts of internet issues and everything else we're trying to do whilst COVID is here. It's hard to meet up and get people doing it together. So um, in future, mate, hopefully we can get down and tie it in with a fishing trip if we do another episode. Yeah, that'd be good. Do that. Let's let's do that, boys. Sounds good. And for anybody listening also... Charlie's uh, is it your Instagram's get rich or die fishing go and give him a little check yes mate nice one appreciate it no worries um, Black Moon charters are on Insta as well yeah Black Moon sport fishing on Instagram and on Facebook so yeah we'd appreciate it when do you think you'll be running the charters from mate have you got any sort of time frames um, as soon as the government allow mate if the government say go we're a go but we're not pushing for anything until we've fully got the go ahead from the government yeah Perfect, man. So watch this space. Well, we'll keep things updated on our Insta and Facebook and hopefully, mate, we can see some chunks um, on social media soon. Nice, it's on.